0: Welcome to the Numisphere, a podcast diving into all things in the sphere of numismatics, talking the latest news and trends of precious metals, coins, currency, and more. Let's start the show.
1: Welcome on into the Numisphere. We have a very important episode for you today. This is called How to Avoid Buyer's Remorse. It's become a hot topic as of late with many newcomers into the precious metals investment arena, and we'd like to go over a few tips and strategies to avoid that exact situation. But Before we delve there, let's talk about the foundation of investing in precious metals. Tyler, why is it that somebody
0: may want to invest in precious metals? Well, historically, uh, gold and silver have essentially been God's money. It's been a form of trade uh, in human history for over two thousand years mm-hmm. uh, and having something that truly has a combination of desirability, rarity mm-hmm. uh, and something that actually takes labor to get yes uh, between finding it, mining it, manufacturing it sure right? so when you take all those things together, um, it is a very desirable material because it allows a hedge mm-hmm. to essentially, uh, difficult economic times, right? So high inflation, uh, volatile markets. Mm -hmm. And while metal is not a guarantee, it has certainly been used as a form of investing that has helped to mitigate some form of risk.
1: Right, right. Well, I think that risk is uh, something that weighs heavy on people's minds these days. There seems to be a lot of risk uh, within markets kind of all around and a lot of uncertainty about what may unfold in the near time and in the
0: short-term future. I mean, I hate to say it, just last week we broke records with the stock market how many times? I think we've been consecutive now in
1: new record highs for the stock market for at least six consecutive months. Right. So when you
0: just kind of keep going up and up and up, eventually you got to come down. It's starting to feel a little bit like a pressure cooker almost. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, quite literally a powder keg because all of these things are lining that historically, do not make any sense. Right. You know, one of the other
1: things that sticks out to me about why it is we may want to invest in precious metals, I always think to the monetary system. What are the, the people in charge doing? How do they see gold as a role in the financial system? And we look back to what the International Monetary Fund, or IMF, had instated in 2019, which was that gold was a tier one asset. So, Isn't it the only tier one asset? Now? As far as I'm aware, it is currently the only registered tier one asset uh, for the world banking system and for the central banks. So, you know, there's probably a reason why it is that they did that, why it's included in the portfolios um, for all these central banks across the world. Sure, And also maybe why they've been buying...
0: In large amounts consecutively for the past three years, and it's not just institutions that leverage precious metals to uh, preserve their wealth. I mean, the the wealthiest families and individuals historically have held ten to twenty percent of their assets just sure. in physical
1: gold and silver. Sure, they may not write that down on paper, but I suspect that that's well, I'm sure a the lot more of them likely. Do
0: you think so? I mean. If they're above board, right? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, that's questionable. But, you know, when we think about investing into anything, there's always that assumption of risk. And even with precious metals, there is risks that are involved. So if I'm a newbie coming into the precious metals market, what, what risks do I need to be made aware of that could happen with my, my money or my purchase power that I just shifted into those precious metals?
0: I mean, the number one thing we always try to explain to people as they're just getting into it, is this is not a get-rich-quick scheme. That does not happen in this realm, Mm -hmm. and if you have managed to do that with physical gold and silver, not paper contracts, then kudos to you, because it is a challenge. Yes. Um, The reality is, of course, everything goes up and down. So you need to be able to take that investment and tuck it away And we've said it before essentially, set it and forget it. Right. And it's always there as a, uh, let's just say, like a backup or a savings account. So Mm -hmm. you can liquidate it if you need to. But that's not the ultimate goal, right? Is that this is your preservation over a period of time. So that risk can be if I buy, let's say, if I only have Mm $10,000 and I bought it all today at a spot price of. Uh, $23 and 15 cents an ounce that you're locked in. You got a That's cost it. basis. That's how I know where I am. Right? right. And I paid a premium over that. Let's just say a dollar. So now I'm in at twenty four fifteen. 15, mm-hmm. but let's say a year from now, spot price is pretty similar and I want to get out of it. Right. Well, I'm going to get less than what I paid mm-hmm. because everybody needs their margin. Sure. Right. So you have to account for what a spread would be. Okay, so you need to be able to cover your premium mm-hmm. and now that spot price needs to rise to equal your cost in at premium right so that spread that's what you're trying to manage when you're moving in and out, okay, you have to be able to cover that so if silver drops down a dollar or two dollars, or like we've seen some people um silver eagles mm-hmm. you know they were they were buying them thirty four thirty seven dollars mm-hmm. and now they're averaging in around twenty eight right. So when right. they that's come to sell, they're getting even less.
1: Right. That's a huge difference. So those people who are buying at top of market with that largest premium, they lost what? Probably. I mean, substantial. 16 to
0: $18 in premium. I mean, those right? are probably getting paying, into absolute highs. Yeah. And, wow. the, and that's a big loss. I mean, look at like... Um, the 2011-2012 the time where people were paying over $42 to, to $45 for a Silver Eagle. Right. Uh, you know, and just a, less than a year later, in fact, I think it was only a few months later, prices absolutely collapsed on it.
1: Right. See, so to me, it's almost as if the more premium is put on the precious metal that you're purchasing, the more risk you're exposing yourself to, at least in the short-term market situation. And we're not trying to knock on eagles either because those have their own specific benefits that we'll get to later in the show, right? But um, if you get in and you're at a high premium and let's say that the market doesn't quite perform to where you were hoping it would be, some type of liquidity crisis comes up in your your personal life Mm -hmm. and you need to get out of this position, you're going to be biting it basically. Um, And that is really an uncomfortable situation And it would obviously put a large distaste in your mouth from (laughs)
0: investing in those precious metals. And I just, I want to say, keep in mind, we're not trying to scare people with this. Sure. This is a worst case scenario that's happened over the last decade plus. Right. If you take specific steps to mitigate that type of risk, you can be very successful with investing and holding physical metals. That's what we want to get to with this is how, how do we avoid
1: situations like that particular one? And actually achieve goals with what it is that we're trying to do here. Yep. Awesome. Well, I think that because we discussed kind of some of these risks here, it's important to also discuss what the benefits may be. And I think that purchase power and preservation of purchase power is a huge benefit. Most definitely. Right. We use that example. I think we might've even said it on a previous episode here. You have a $20 gold piece and a $20 bill in your pocket. This is back in the 1920s. Either one of them would have got you that dapper suit at the yeah. nicest tailor in town, but if you had paid with the twenty dollar bill and kept that gold twenty dollar piece, you'd still be able with that purchasing power to get the nicest suit, probably at the nicest shop. I would say a decent, oh, at least a suit decent today okay. standard. But <laughs> okay, we're not talking right? Gucci, right? We're not talking right. Armani. So, if you
0: were to have held, you know, the twenty dollar bill and the twenty dollar gold coin in your safe back in nineteen twenty, you take it out today. 20 bucks, you're lucky if you can get a meal at McDonald's. That gold coin should get you into a good-looking suit. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think that that's kind of the example. Now,
1: the vice versa, right? If you had kept the $20 bill in your pocket and you try to spend that $20 bill today, you're lucky to get out of it with lunch, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, that's kind of the diminishing that we see here with fiat currency versus the gold Um, But at the same time, that gold has maintained its purchasing power even through the deterioration of fiat
0: currency. Right. Now, this is an assumption in accurate numbers, but I know in the past we had done it where uh, something like 97% of your purchasing power has been lost since like 1913. Yeah. I mean, I've heard quite a few numbers. The
1: most recent one that I heard was actually even more aggressive, but it was something to the tune of 99.85% of purchasing power. Wow. It was extreme. Um, But even if that isn't the case right and obviously there's different metrics that go into saying how it is that it's been reduced in its purchasing power <laughs> it is evident that it has happened and it has happened dramatically it seems to be on the last legs um, of purchasing power thank you joe biden <laughs> <laughs> right or or his administration or those
0: that are um, at the wheel for or this financial we, system we know the whole situation is not just on the president but It's a culmination of many, many years of intentional decisions. Absolutely. And um, obviously,
1: with all the things that we go through, change seems to be imminent. So I hope that we can be prepared for when that change comes. Um, And how do we best prepare? Exactly. How do we best prepare? So if I'm a newbie and I'm coming into precious metals, obviously, there's a gamut of different products to pick from. But... I want to avoid those risks that we talked about. So Mm -hmm. I want to get into a lower premium product. Does that sound about right?
0: Well, I think you, it's case by case. Okay. Right. Is you need to understand what that individual is being motivated by. Right. So for instance, for us, we have everybody from uh, teenagers in high school to retirees that are scared. Mm -hmm. Right. So, for each stage of life, each situation, each budget, it's different. Right. So, if we were to say just kind of a, a general, broad spectrum, um, low premium is a, in my opinion, the foundation of any precious metal investor, okay, or collector, or stacker, however you want to look at it. Okay. So, by getting that lower premium stuff or product, and you do that over a period of time, where you're cost averaging your buy-in. Uh, you really set yourself up for a little bit more of a a diversity within your portfolio. Okay. So you can move in and out, hopefully at a better price point. Now, it's interesting. You use the
1: term dollar cost averaging. So in order to maintain dollar cost averaging in this game, you're consistently buying as the market shifts up and down to make sure that your spread is equal to the market fluctuations.
0: Right. So that kind of goes back to what we were, we were saying a moment ago where you don't want to spend your entire investment on one product at one price. Right. Right. So by being able to buy at $23 today and next week it's twenty two fifty, and you catch a dip the week after and you hit 22 and then right. the week after you're up at 25 right? So yeah, your numbers are up and down, up and down. Mm-hmm but your average is what you should be concerned with. Okay. So let's say you've acquired a thousand ounces and you managed to get into that at an average of 23 bucks over time, Mm -hmm. you can sell a little and not feel as bad or lose as much. Sure. And you can continue adding to that and hopefully continuing with the market Mm -hmm. to get that better cost average.
1: Now, let's say that I think that this is a really important thing and I'm gonna go after it full throttle should I be, you know, spending a car payment every week if
0: maybe I have trouble making that car payment? In that scenario, I'd be of the opinion, no. Okay. Right. So um, for real newbies, kind of a, a rule of thumb we'd like to tell them is if you can't afford to make your purchase three times over today, mm-hmm. you shouldn't do it. I see. So basically
1: make your purchase, but make your purchase a portion of your comfort money of your disposable. Your disposable, right? so you should income. always
0: be able to take care of any obligations you have to your home, your family, your bills. Okay. Priority 1. Okay. Then you take your your extra, your spending money, your savings account, whatever else you're doing with it. You mm-hmm. know, if you were uh, if you were a smoker buying 10 packs a week, well cut that down. <laughs> Quit smoking, go buy some <laughs> silver, okay? Absolutely. That can add up to quite a bit. Right. So you're saving in multiple ways. Uh, but by moving forward with that, you're able to
1: well, I, I think I felt what you were going with here. So basically, if you're consistently doing that and you had yeah. that cushion money, you're avoiding, like, in my opinion, one of the most consistent things that happen for a new investor. And that's where you've over leveraged your position into precious metal and you kind right. of restricted your cash flow. That's exactly right? where
0: I was headed. Yep.
1: And then what happens is a boiling point. It's that one off. Oh, crap. I need a new set of tires or right. oh, brakes need to be changed. And your whole economic game is kind of shifted and then you're put into a position where you're saying to yourself, where am I going to get the money? Then you look to your stack to liquidate.
0: Right. So that's what we were saying with the the three times over is I don't want to have you come in today all excited, make your purchase. Right. And then come back next week and you're going to hate me because you're not getting your money back. Right. Right. You're most likely going to take a loss. It becomes discouraging. Right. Right. And if
1: if you're actually setting out to do this with goals in mind, it's important to manage how it is you're going to approach it with your spend, right? Absolutely. And really to frame that out, we got to have goals and that differs for everybody. So yeah. let's talk about a couple of those positions because there's all different types of stackers or bullion collectors um, out there. Yeah. Some of the more common ones that I see are those that have built precious metals purchasing into their standard financial behavior, Mm -hmm. right? So they're doing this either on a monthly basis or a quarterly basis. They're taking an allocated portion of their disposable income and they're putting it into the precious metals consistently and repeatedly in order to build. And
0: if you haven't seen episode six, we talk with someone just like that. That's our friend, Brian. Absolutely. Definitely go and check that episode out. And then the
1: kind of ultimate benefit there is that once you have gotten to a certain level, which everybody sets their goals different, and it might be to how your lifestyle may be, um, that would dictate how much you actually want. But you can get to the point
0: where you are your own bank, certainly, yeah. and well, liquidating in and out of that commitment stack, over time, making that a regular habit. Yep, that's the goal. Yep. Is by using metals specifically, you're creating the savings account that you can't just make a transfer. Right? I can't hop on my phone. Okay, yeah, I need to move a hundred bucks from my savings account. Mm-hmm. No, it's more difficult. You got to go down to a shop or or somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Actually, sell the piece. Right. It takes time, effort. It's not convenient to get out of it. Right. Per se, comparatively to you know transferring money between accounts. Uh, so it's definitely uh, that extra little layer that slows you down from using that first. Absolutely. Which in my opinion, is fantastic because I'm really bad about transferring money between accounts. Like, <laughs> right. no big deal, no big deal, right?
1: Uh, yeah, but if you have that labor of doing so, um, you end up thinking twice about what it is that you're doing financially. Right. And if you can keep yourself on track, that benefit of becoming your own bank can be used in so many different ways to help yourself out and any family member or any situation that may okay. come your way. Um, but what happens if, let's say... I don't know. I wanted to spend enough to get myself 10 ounces of gold. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to do that in a low premium situation like we talked about, right? Reducing my risk. Um, And then I wanted to be able to get out of all that gold all at once. In order to get that low premium stuff, I might have gotten up some generic or maybe some sovereign bullion that might have been issued from other countries, when I go to cash out,
0: what things do I need to be aware of? So it differs for different parts of the world. But for here in the United States, um, if you were to have been purchasing American gold eagles or mm-hmm. gold buffaloes, mm-hmm. uh, you can pretty much buy and sell trade as many of those as you'd like okay. um, with no additional factors to really consider. Okay. But if you come to us and you say, look, I've got 11 ounces of Kruger Mm-hmm. Okay, well now we've fallen into a reporting obligation ah. because we've crossed over the threshold of how many ounces you can sell that are non-American, right? okay? So that aren't issued by the U.S. government, okay? And because of that, in my eyes, the the government wants their piece, right? Right. So because that's a, a to document, correct? That's a document that's right. uh,
1: available to the IRS or for any. That, correct, yeah, the IRS. Yeah, so
0: the, the purchase gets documented and, and shops like us have to send that in. Okay. Um, and then you're obligated to report any potential gains or losses on your own personal taxes. The, wow. the shops and buyers are not obligated, but okay. those that are selling in that scenario. Um, so you could have purchased those, uh, let's say Krugerands at $1,500 an ounce, but you're selling to me at $2,000 an ounce. You have a $500 per ounce gain. Now you're on the hook. Oh, boy! right. So now you're gonna have to pay your taxes on the long term gains. Again, we're not accountants. We're not advisors. Take it with a grain of salt. But Mm -hmm. that's our understanding. Mm -hmm. Um, So if that's not a scenario you'd like to be in, you got to be more strategic with what you're purchasing, how you sell it, Mm -hmm. and understand those factors before you start actually getting your hands on it.
1: Okay, so that that's important to me now. So some people may not want to liquidate 10 ounces at one time, right? But Mm -hmm. if other people are looking to do that threshold or or to move that quantity at one time as a part of their purchase and exit plan, having that consideration is important. So that might be where the benefit of a sovereign U.S.-issued bullion is going to come into play for those people. Now, that's important to note because – Typically, in that scenario, you'll be dealing with a higher premium product right.
0: than you would be dealing with for... Eagles and buffaloes definitely have um, a bit higher premium at your mm-hmm. buy-in than compared to Krugerrands, Britannias, Maple Leafs, and non-U.S. pieces. Okay. And I look again, That's you're backed by the U.S. government, which is supposed to be one of the strongest economies in the world, and they're kind of building in their piece of the pie up front. Okay. Right? so they're getting theirs whether right. it's a us issue or <laughs> they always non- get US theirs issues. we know that we know that uh, but they get theirs up front essentially
1: well that's so that's really crucial to me so if you have kind of those motivations you need to be evaluating that when you're going in for those purchases um, and even though premium can be viewed as risk you may have a better benefit sitting with you in the slightly higher premium product
0: than that of the lowest premium on the shelf exactly and that's why it comes down to when you're getting into this you really need to have a firm understanding of what your personal long-term goals are okay are you passing this down to the family are you never going to touch this again are you holding for five years and then you plan to have you know some type of liquidation for whatever reason Mm -hmm. have an idea ahead of time so that way you can place yourself within a strategy that fits your goal
1: right and and it, there's many different types of goals out there. We have a uh, prepper mentality goals, right? Where they want liquidity for a broken down economy. Um, even that needs some consideration for premiums, right? Yep. Getting into fractional pieces, uh, both in the silver and in the gold end can lead to higher premiums, but they also
0: offer better liquidity in a bartered situation. So even within the, the prepper mentality, there are... Different strategies as well, right? Mm-hmm. Because there, are, there's a people that are fearful that our economy will collapse and something will rebuild, mm-hmm. and whatever's on the other end, the way that they will transition their wealth and purchasing power will be through a tool such as gold and silver. Okay, so uh, you know if we have a revaluation, whatever that is, it's the idea that that will transition them to be better on the other end, right? Then there's always the. Zombie apocalypse right. mentality, right? <laughs> uh, so <laughs> when it, it all societal collapse, where you need to have something recognizable and um, something that's barterable, right? So it's not usually going to be a one ounce piece for mm-hmm. gold. Um, it'll be fractional sizes that are something that most population knows, or you know, uh, one tenth gold eagles, that type of thing, right? Uh, and same when you hop over to the silver aspect, so constitutional coinage, mm-hmm. um, which if you're not familiar, 1964 and earlier, um, the United States was using 90% silver in their coinage. So uh, quarters, half dollars, uh, dimes, and uh, dollars, I guess. Right, right, dollars. Well, obviously the peace dollar and back. Right. Yep. So there's a lot of different strategies within that as well. Um, and whatever your personal goals are, again, just make sure you're aligning with that ahead of time so that way you're not investing over here right. when you should be going off over here.
1: <laughs> and I always like to to help those customers who may be preparing for something similar to that and um, trying to accommodate their wishes, but let them know that really it only makes sense to a certain point. And then after right. you have that amount of liquidity that you desire, you know, looking into uh, more larger P or larger pieces with lower premium right. is
0: probably to their advantage. Well, I think that's, I mean, like all things, like why we're even talking about investing within metals is you need to diversify. Right. Right. So having all of your purchases only on fractional stuff, I mean, there's, there's a limit mm-hmm. at some point you need to move on to the bigger pieces. You need to be smart with how you're spending your money and yeah. investing your money. Absolutely. And that's not always going to be on the small stuff. Now it's interesting you say that I think there's,
1: you know, One other piece that we need to consider here too, well, which metal do I choose and which one does what, right? Or which one has that potential benefit that the other may not carry Mm -hmm. and why would one be desirable in one situation compared to the other?
0: Again, it comes down to personal belief, right? Right. So uh, a lot of people, you you can tell them a million and one things and and share your opinion and the data that you've found and everyone's going to form their own opinion. That's that's just the case. Of course. So some people are of the mindset that silver has the higher potential return. Okay. Um, that you're looking at that as more of an investment because silver, in the eyes of some, is highly suppressed, mm-hmm. and you have more opportunity for growth on the silver side. Okay. Uh, whereas gold is often viewed as a preservation. So it's kind of like that, you know, Tortoise versus the hare. Okay, this is gotcha. The tortoise that's just kind of steadily moving <laughs> along, right? Okay. Um, so even though we do see uh, pretty good size spikes up and down on on gold over time, um, it's been kind of the consistent performer. Okay. Um, so preservation versus investment with potential return. That makes a lot of sense. You know, I,
1: I know that we encounter quite a few people that um, look to value maybe silver over gold, and they leverage the ratio, stating yep. that. You know, in the, in the timeline of 3,000 plus years of monetary use, gold to silver, silver was traditionally 15 to 1 as a mean statistically. Now, here we are in today's market and we're trading at 80 plus uh, to 1, mm-hmm. which is a dramatic difference. So the thought is that if it ever got back to its natural ratio, the price point if gold were stagnant is that silver would have to 6x. So what do you say
0: to that? <laughs> um, honestly, I, I never see that coming back. Okay, I think that the change in the landscape of the financial world, with paper contracts and fractional lending, and potential manda- excuse me—potential <laughs> manipulation—that mm-hmm. um, we'll never see that type of ratio again. That's disheartening.
1: I know that a I lot know. of
0: people are, are hoping I'm on probably going to upset a lot of people. Please <laughs> let me know in the comments. It's okay.
1: Uh, yeah. Well, I'm, I obviously have a, a hopeful mind frame, right? I'm coming from the perspective of it's all going to reset and everything goes back to the way it should be. That's the uber optimist point of view. If that were to happen, yep. I feel like both gold and silver would benefit, right? Here we are on the brink of a financial crisis. Let's say gold gets revalued. Let's say the commodities exchange stops having the ability to dictate the world average price of silver. If we saw a natural migration, I think that both would just do phenomenal compared to our fiat dollar. So,
0: put a, a potential number on it for silver. Let's just go with silver on this one. All right. I'm going to shoot from— fifty. No, I think we can do better
1: than that. We 75? did— I think we can go better, hundred. I honestly think that it would be somewhere over a hundred bucks. I'm, I'm thinking one ten is what
0: sticks out in my mind. I would honestly hate to live in a world that silver's trading at one hundred and ten dollars an ounce. Why? Because what's a loaf of bread going to cost? Oh man, you're right.
1: Because all of these values are relative to the purchasing power of, of the, the dollar. U.S. dollar. That's a great point. One that you should
0: thoroughly consider. So as you can see, multiple opinions. Everybody <laughs> has their own.
1: Uh, so with this, obviously, guys, it's, this is really important stuff. You need to walk in with a solid plan of what you're doing and asking the question of what is the exit, starting with knowing how you want to get out of it or what is the purpose of your mission to incorporate investment into precious metals. Yep. Having that framed is going to help guide you to making better decisions on what it is that you purchase, when, and in what quantities. Um, If you can frame that out and you can be diligent and disciplined to stick with your plan, the liberation that comes.
0: Oh, the freedom is amazing. The freedom
1: is amazing, right? But if you get tripped up, refer back to those things that we may have said what were you put into one of those situations? Because maybe you weren't aware of that potential problem or consideration that you needed to have when getting out of it. Um, these things can help save you a lot of money. These things can help keep you motivated to stay in the game and to watch yourself, build your personal wealth for yourself, for your family. And if it's aggressively generational wealth, um, so many benefits, so many pitfalls. You got to make sure that you're stepping carefully. So please make sure that you consider those things,
0: those risks that we've discussed. And I think just one other, I guess, tip we could say for that is we have those customers that come in weekly, monthly, and a lot of it is just having a honest conversation about what we see happening in the landscape, what kind of budgets they have, why they're motivated to do it. So find that group of people or that local coin shop dealer um, or bullion dealer that can help you and challenge your thought process. Right. So, yeah, they might get under your skin because they have a different opinion. Well, get thicker skin because the conversation is (laughs) worth it. Absolutely. Having multiple perspectives and understanding of geopolitical, financial, historical... Current market trends, premiums, all of those things. Um, the more you know, the more power you have, and the the better decisions you can make for yourself. Yeah, absolutely, I agree with that, hundred percent.
1: And and truthfully, when you take these steps to make that plan and you start practicing it, you're helping yourself avoid one of the largest difficulties when it comes to precious metals investing, and that is the emotional turbulence that comes (laughs) with watching the markets Uh, when you've leveraged your personal wealth into these commodities. Mm -hmm. Um, Because that honestly can be one of the most stressful scenarios and has discouraged a lot of people from staying in the game because of that emotional up and down when the markets swing. Um, But if you have a solid strategy and you're sticking to it, you've prepared – for that mentally. And you're going to be a lot more confident in those purchases as you continue to go along. So stay less emotional, more methodical, do this with a purpose, and, you'll be, and able, you'll be able to achieve that liberty, that ultimate benefit that comes with stacking precious metals. With that, I guess we should probably let people know where to find us, where do uh, locate us? Tyler, where where can they find us? <laughs>
0: I'm just giving you an awkward pause for a moment. I know. Well, <laughs> I'm used to that. <laughs> uh, yeah. So we are currently revamping our website, um, www.ahcoinco.com. Uh, that should be live in the next few weeks. You'll be able to have uh, all kinds of inventory options there for you. So we're excited for that. So keep an eye out. You're very excited. Uh, Working hard on that, by the way. Yeah. yeah You're doing a great uh, job. A labor of love. Right? <laughs> so we're also Facebook, Instagram at Numisphere. And our cameras just turned off. That's unfortunate. are no so these guys. So you just get to listen to our audio. But with that, <laughs> uh, yeah, thanks for listening in. Again, uh, tune in for the next episode. Yeah, as
1: the Numisphere turns. <laughs> All right, you guys. Have a great Take one. Care. We'll see you then.
0: Thank you for listening to the Numisphere podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on the next episode. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Numisphere. Until next time.